Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Yes, well, ladies, we are excited for women's Bible study, but fellas, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm kind of excited too, especially that it's virtual. So, hey, uh, you can watch too. I'm going to be watching. It's going to be great. And so, man, we're excited this week as we start our uh, biannual women's Bible study. It's going to be great. Hey, my name's Pastor J.F. Wilkerson. Man, what an honor it is uh, for you to be joining us online in our live gathering, Church for All Nations gathering today. Once again, I just want to reiterate, uh, welcome, welcome. Thanks for being a part of this. We love you. This church loves this community and we love people. We love Jesus. And so uh, thank you for joining us wherever you're watching Pacific Northwest. We have friends that watch really all over the country and we even have uh, friends that watch overseas. You know, Church for All Nations, because we're in a military town, we have a lot of people that are connected to the armed forces. And so uh, it's pretty neat uh, because we have people that get deployed uh, they're overseas, and it's great to be able to still connect with them through this live uh, platform. And so it's, it's really great. You know, you can look at this season and kind of be really upset. We can't physically gather like the way we usually do it. And I'm looking forward to being able to do it the way we usually do it, in the, hopefully in the near future. But you can look down on that, or you can go, man, it's all about attitude, right? Like you can look at it and say, wow. We have this opportunity through technology to even reach more people with the good news of Jesus. We have this opportunity to extend our borders outside of four walls. And so it's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. You know, uh, I'm just, this is the type, this is the season I love so much. I love fall. And especially, especially uh, the last 48 hours, because those of you who are local here in the Northwest, Man, well, in the state of Oregon as well, the state of California, we've really been suffering on the West Coast from these, these forest fires. And so uh, we're going to continue to pray that the Lord would have those cease. But, you know, specifically in our, in our little region here, uh, it started raining. <laughs> the wind came through and kind of blew that all out. And so I woke up, I'm kind of an early riser. And so I woke up pretty early the day before yesterday and uh, I walked outside, I don't know, it's probably about 5.30 in the morning, and like it wasn't smoky. It's, it, it's just, it's amazing some of the things in life that we take for granted, you know, and so I just said, Lord, thank you. Thank you that the smoke is cleared, and, and so I, I threw on my, my jogging shoes, and, and I went for a little jog slash more of a, more of a walk, if you will, but uh, walked down around Chambers Bay, and as I was coming down kind of the, those, uh, the uh, switchbacks through the woods, man, I saw the leaves turning colors, you know what I mean? And the leaves were all over the ground and I was walking through that and I just said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for uh, this new season. Thank you that you're, uh, this is your creation. Thank you that I get to experience this moment right now. Thank you for the fall. I love this time of year for that reason. Then of course, the other reason why I love this time of year is because football's back. Let's just, let's just be honest, football's back. So uh, as uh, part of the 12th man, as a Seahawk fan myself, we just want to welcome Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots with uh, newly acquired Cam Newton to the Pacific Northwest. 
Uh, but that's about as kind as we're going to be starting right now because we're going to have to pummel you tonight. Okay, I just wanted to say that, get that out of there. Uh, and I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding. But hey, uh, you know, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, that's in the New Testament. Uh, but I'm also going to be looking into the Old Testament. Turn to Hosea chapter 1. So find 1 Peter 2. And then, and then put a little marker there, and then find Hosea chapter 1. And I'm going to kind of be bouncing back and forth through these passages in the Scripture. The last uh, few weeks, we've been talking about what does it look like in this season, this season of COVID, uh, this season of transition, this season of uh, confusion, you know, we're moving into this election season right now. And the question that's been constantly coming uh, from Christians that I'm connected to is, Pastor, you know, with all the confusion going on in the world right now, in our country right now, how can I, you know, I love Jesus, but like how can I really, really be a reflection of him? What does it look like to practice? display to the world the characteristics, the love, the empathy, the compassion, the service. What does it look like to truly represent Christ during this season? And, you know, this past Friday, we here in the States, we witnessed the passing of Justice Ginsburg. And it was fascinating to me that uh, I was flipping around through different media outlets. And I tell you what, I don't think it was 10 minutes. You know, this is a woman who served into her 80s. And I don't think it was 10 minutes before we started talking about who's going to replace her, right? What are we going to do now? You know, and, and I was flipping around and, and, and it was just, it just fascinating to me, right? These talking heads, right? And Many of them just like spewing attacks on their opponents, left, right, it doesn't matter. And as we move closer to no November 3rd, you can almost, it's like, you can like physically feel, I don't know if you're like me, but like you can feel it like this wedge, this division, this, 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 uh, this, this crevasse that seems to be like opening larger and larger in our country. And I know it's very confusing. I, I talked to believers, specifically like in the last six weeks, who are Americans, proud to be American, but also Christians. And, you know, being an American and being a Christian in this country, those lines can get blurred, can, can get blurred a little bit, if you know what I'm talking about. We, we have this spirit in our country of, of cultural Christianity, where, where, where we like the ideas of following Jesus. We like going to church on Sunday. Uh, but really, it just kind of stops right there. We do life on our own terms. There's this spirit of cultural Christianity in our country. Um, but the people that I'm talking to today, you love Jesus, and, and you push back on that. You want to do what he's called you to do. And so... There's this confliction from time to time. There's confusion. Like, what does it look like to love my country, to, to be an American, but also love the King of kings and the Lord of lords and, 
and, and, and, and walk in what he's called us to do and be uh, examples of kingdom-minded people. You know, in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of this election season, as you just pop on social media, you see anger, you see back and forth conversation, you see nasty words from time, time, from time to time. There's toxicity going on. But in the midst of all of that, we as followers of Jesus are still called to show love to our countrymen. We're still called to serve our brothers and sisters. Whether you agree with their ideology, whether you're on the same party line as them, no matter what, we're called to something bigger. In the midst of all of this, we are called to live, live a certain way, live a certain way. And so today, I want to kind of continue this conversation because here's the thing. In fact, I titled this little talk, Our Country Needs You. You say, what, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm telling you right now, our country needs Jesus' people to stand up. And when I say stand up, most of the time that means kneel down, right? To humble ourselves, to reach across and love people right where they're at. We are called to something greater in the midst of all of this stuff. Our country needs real Jesus, Jesus followers, not people that masquerade as believers so they can promote their own agenda. I'm talking about people that truly love Jesus, sincerely want to do what he's called them to do because I'm telling you, that is the hope of this country. November 3rd's coming and I want you to know right now, it's not gonna fix everything. You know, Justice Ginsburg is going to be replaced and, 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 and getting another justice. That's a good thing, but that's not going to heal this nation. The only thing that's going to heal this nation is when believers, true believers, come together, unified through the blood of Christ, and we love this nation and serve it, no matter what anybody says. And I want to talk a little bit, a little bit about that today. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9, but I, let, me, let, me, let me give you a little bit of context here. Peter is writing to a group of per persecuted Christians. Now, I hear this word persecuted being thrown around right now in Christian circles. We're persecuted. I, I don't believe that we're being persecuted by the government right now, all right? I'm just saying that. Um, there's people, there's Christians in this world that truly are experiencing persecution right now. We're experiencing a bit of inconvenience, all right? Not persecution, okay? Just want you to know that uh, coming from a pastor. But what I want to say today is that Peter was writing to a group of truly persecuted Christians. And, and the way he communicates is so counterculture to our human feelings. And it's fascinating because throughout this letter, by the way, my brother, uh, Rich Jr., pastors a great church in Miami, Florida. Today, they're starting a brand new series entitled Endure. And they are literally taking the next eight weeks and they're walking through the book of First Peter. Why? Because it's so relevant to what we're dealing with and talking about right now in this season. But what's fascinating about this is that Peter is encouraging the brothers and sisters in Christ. And in fact, he's, he's explaining to them 
how they, as followers of Jesus, are called and, 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 and the instruction as to how to respond, how to react in the midst of their persecution. And what's fascinating to me is that he doesn't instruct them to seek revenge. He doesn't say revolt. He doesn't say uh, get angry and, and say cruel things. He says, actually, you respond with grace and humility. And he goes on and on and he explains this to this. Why? Because Peter, the theme of this letter to these persecuted Christians is we are part of a nation. And he describes it as a holy nation, right? We are not of this world. We're a part of something so much greater. There's a different code of conduct that we're required to follow as followers of Jesus. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 9. This is what he says. He says, but you are not like that. What he's referring to is, you're not like how everybody else responds to pain. That's what he says. He says, you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. I don't know if you're, if you're like me. I like that. How many of you like to be chosen? You remember elementary school, dodgeball on the, in the back lot? Man, I liked it when I got up in there, you know, you know, number three, four, five pick, right? I like to be chosen, right? So Peter says, you're a chosen people, JF. You're a chosen people, Pastor Angie. You are a royal, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own, own possession. We as Christians are a nation, God's holy nation. And as followers of Jesus, how do we show love in our physical nation, in this country that we love so much? How can we at a very individual level, make a true impact on this nation. It seems impossible, but uh, it's why I love the scriptures because there's so many examples of individuals, male, female, uh, majority, minority, who due to simply obeying what God called them to do, went on individually through the power of the Holy Spirit, went on to change change their nation. And in fact, that's what I want to look to today. I want to focus on one man whose name was Hosea. And I want to look at his life because through his obedience unto God, he was able to bring an entire nation back to him. Let me set you up, give you a little bit of context, some history. Hosea was a prophet of God. We read about him in the Old Testament. About 700 years ago, before Jesus was born, Jeroboam II was on the throne of the northern kingdom of Israel. And his military exploits extended Israel's borders farther than pretty much any other time in their history. And with that, because they had this robust military, uh, they experienced peace. They experienced uh, prosperity. And a lot of times, when you combine these two elements in a nation, 
you get moral and spiritual degeneration. You get secularism, materialism, entitlement, and the list goes on. In fact, the list feels a lot like our country's current issues. Swearing, lying, killing, stealing, adultery, drunkenness, perversion, perjury, deceit, oppression, just to name a few. But the thing that grieved the heart of God more than anything else was the sin of idolatry. This, this was the deal that broke the heart of God. And the reason why is because since the Lord viewed Israel as his wife, he viewed her worship of other gods as spiritual idolatry. And so for the next couple of minutes here, I want to do a parallel. I, I alluded to it in my intro, but I want to do a parallel teaching today, if you will. I want to show you how the letter in 1 Peter chapter 2 directly connects with us today. It speaks to us today. We can apply this passage directly to our lives and begin to live it out right now to the point where we'll have a massive impact in our country that needs Jesus believers so much right now. And then I also want to show you how this, this played out in the life and story of Hosea, all right? So as Christians, the question is, how do we show the love of Jesus in our country that needs, needs us so badly right now? The first thought that I have for you, is, Matt, is, number one, be a sign. Write that down. Be, be a sign. Now jump to the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is a story about a man who God chose to be a sign, to direct people in the way they should go. Uh, and that, of course, is in the way of the Lord. The book itself starts with the word of the Lord came to Hosea. And what I want you to know is Hosea was a man who could take direction. Uh, if you're watching right now, maybe you're sitting next to your spouse in your family room, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? But I wonder if there's anyone watching right now, and uh, it's kind of hard for you to take direction. <laughs> don't raise your hand. Oh, there, there, we have a couple Dream Team people that are helping out in the audience. A couple of those hands went up. Okay, thank you for your honesty. Man, I, I got to be honest with you. There, there, was a, there was a period in my life where I was that guy, where it was hard for me to take direction. I'm not talking about all direction. I'm specifically talking more about any type of direction when I was behind the steering wheel. You know what I'm talking about? I don't, I don't know if you're like me. Dri man, woman, I don't care who you are. Driving the car, it's, it's hard to take direction. Th th by the way, uh, there's an app called Waze. Uh, those days are over for me, okay? But before all that awesome technology, it was, I knew where I was going. No matter if I'd been there for the first time. You know what I'm talking about? It was hard for me to take direction from those backseat drivers. And uh, about 10 years ago, my wife and I uh, were pastoring associates in Los Angeles, California, specifically right in the heart of Hollywood. And let me tell you what an experience. We had almost four years there and learned so much. And it was just everything that you could 
Like picture what it would be like to get to do ministry in Hollywood, California, and it's all true. Like we got to do all that stuff, and it was an amazing thing. But I remember uh, my wife was, was uh, very pregnant, and you can unpack what that means. She was towards the end. And it was her first baby, and um, she was experiencing things, obviously, that she'd never experienced before at a very physical level, mental level, spiritual level. And so there was that much more drama involved, right? And, um, and that, was, that, was, uh, that was an experience that both of us had never had of, of getting closer together, uh, closer together as one and figuring out what that looks like. And I'm telling you, um, we overcame, let me just say that, but it wasn't. It wasn't easy, those of you who are parents. But I remember we were in Los Angeles and we were getting closer to when she was supposed to have our, our daughter, Israel. And we had invited out her parents to come and visit and spend some time in Los Angeles with us. Now, let me tell you, I know my, my in-laws are probably watching right now. Um, where they're from, they're from the South, Georgia, in a very, very small community, okay? Um, just complete polar opposites of urban Los Angeles, California. You, you see what I'm saying here right now? Just totally different. And so I just want to honor them for even making the trip out. Man, you talk about humility and having to, you know, I'm just saying. But anyway, we just, we, we, like, we wanted to show them California, right? We, we wanted to show them around and stuff. And so Ashley and I have this famous restaurant in Malibu, California, that we love so much called Gladstones. It was like that's that, like if we had a little extra money uh, sitting aside, we would save up. And it was like, we're going to go, you know, have lunch at Gladstones on the beach in Malibu. I mean, it's just like, are you water rushing up underneath? The, you know, I'm talking, it was just awesome. And so I remember we had planned it. We're going to take mom and dad to Gladstones in Malibu and show them. You know, mind you, we live in a shack off of Hollywood Boulevard, Okay. So anyway, uh, day come, and it was a Friday because that was when I had my day off as a pastor was Friday in that church. And so Friday was like our Saturday. So that morning we got the, you know, the in-laws in our, you know, uh, used old, you know, Toyota Camry. And we headed, hopped on the Hollywood Freeway, I-10 straight to Santa Monica, man. It was just like, well, the East Coast, it was like Beach Boys going, you know, and we took off and we, you know, we hit the, the, the PCH and we headed north up to Malibu and I'm like, roll the windows, you know, the whole thing, windows down and man, I'm like trying to be Mr. California, this whole thing. And we get up to Malibu and, um, you know, I'm just, you're going to love this place, I'm telling you what, and, and we pull in there, eat it, sat down, and I'm like, we'll take the deck, of course, we sit out there, glad, it's gorgeous, right? And we have a phenomenal lunch. And we sit there for hours talking, having a good time. And I remember I was looking at my watch and it was pushing about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I thought to myself, I had been in LA for uh, a while at that point. And, and if you know anything about Los Angeles, the traffic is just unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's the worst traffic you could ever imagine. And you kind of plan your life around, tra you know what I'm talking about? Those of you watching from California, I remember it was like, all right, Time to go. We got to get out of here because we'll be home by, you know, next week if we leave any, any later. So we got everyone in the car. My Ashley's really pregnant, you know. AC, turn the, you know, the whole thing. She's drinking water and all the whole thing. And, and I remember she's looking at me now kind of smiling. We, we pulled out and we get on the PCH and I'm thinking to myself, this traffic's going to be bad heading back into downtown LA. And so as I'm driving along, 
I wasn't very familiar with the area, but I got to this one light, all right? And I looked up at the light, and there was a, there was a so, you know, along the coast, there's one, you know, road that heads north and south, but then east and west, there's, there's really nothing. But I got to this one light, and it said, it said Hollywood Boulevard. And I thought to myself, well, I live off of Hollywood Boulevard. Maybe this is a shortcut, right? So I pull up and my wife sees me kind of getting over into that far, I don't say anything, pull over and she sees my blinker going. She, well, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, I'm going to take a shortcut home back to where we live. She said, we've never, we've never been, I go, but babe, it's, it says right there, Hollywood, we live off of, that's the street we live on, right? She said, I don't know about that. She says, I think you should, you should stick to the Hollywood freeway. There, that has a better ring to it, you know? And I said, no, 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 no. I feel like this is the will of God. I, you're pregnant. I know you're going to have to go to the bathroom in a second. And we got we to gotta get you home as quickly as possible. And so with that, I took a left into the abyss of despair and pain and, 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 and uh, I'm telling you, and we got, I'm telling you, if you know anything about LA, you know, it is canyons and hills and neighborhoods once you get off of the freeway. And we took a left and headed up and it wasn't five minutes. It was like standstill. We weren't even moving. It was just like, go ahead and turn the car off if you want, right? And as we inched along one hour, Two hour, there was UCLA on the left through Brentwood into the third hour. My wife is, I'm telling you, she has been so gracious the whole time. She's, she, she hits me with, the, I got to go to the bathroom, right? And I'm, we, we are in Brentwood, Los Angeles. Like we are in OJ's neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there is, there's no bathrooms around here, right? There's just, and I'm like literally creeping. I can't go around. And then, then my father-in-law gets involved in the back seat. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, man, you, you better, you got to figure this out, son. You better figure this out. I'm telling you, it took us seven hours to get from the beach in Los Angeles back to our dumpy apartment in Hollywood. Man, seven hours. And I'm telling you, some of the worst seven hours of my life because I feared that in the car I was going to be murdered, but not only my wife, but both of my in-laws, they were gonna kill me, right? Man, I decided to take the shortcut home, right? I decided to go in a direction. I decided to go in the way that I knew, and I tell you, I want you to know, I knew I shouldn't have done it, but some, my lack of good judgment escaped my soul. And I said, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And I went in the direction that I knew I shouldn't have. And it led to calamity, if you know what I'm talking about. And what's fascinating about this passage of Scripture here is Peter is urging us followers of Jesus in the exact same way. His whole point in this letter is, you know the right way. Jesus is the right 
way. You've already experienced the fruit of following him. You know what freedom feels like. You know what it feels like to, to, to identify as a Christ follower. And so he says, he says, as he continues his thoughts in this chapter, he says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Today, be intentional. Be a sign. We are called to guide people back back to God. He brought you out so that you can help bring others in. And Hosea, Hosea was this type of a man. Throughout this story, he's continually urging the children of Israel to go back to God. Look at Hosea chapter 6 verse 1. He says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. Aren't you thankful for that? He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. Jump to chapter 14, verse 1. He says, return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. You've been going the wrong way, Israel. You've been going the wrong way, America. In fact, you know the right way, America. It's written on your money, but you've decided to do it your way. You've gone the wrong way, and November 3rd isn't going to fix that because we got a heart issue in this country, don't we? We got a cancer in this country, and it's, and it's called selfishness and, and, and self. It's all about us, inward thinking, right? We know the way. And we're called as believers to point people, point this nation back to our creator. So the question is, where does your life point? I got to ask myself this. Every single day I wake up, which way is my life directing people to? What does it mean to really lead people? If everyone in America followed my lead or followed your lead, which, which direction would it take them to, would it lead them back to God? The question is, be a sign that directs people back to the Lord, right? So that's the first thought I have, be a sign. Here's the second thought, be a symbol. Be a symbol. You see, Hosea's story is unique in exactly what God asked him to do. And let me be very clear, and let me clarify, this is not God's instruction to all of us. All right, you might want to write this down because we're going to read this passage of Scripture. The instruction that Hosea gets from God here is not, <laughs> it's not instruction for all of us. This was a unique direction. This was a, a, a very specific request and Hosea obeyed. Let's go to the text. Hosea chapter 1, starting in verse 2. This is what the text says. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, <clears throat> here we go, go and marry a prostitute 
go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. The phrase, the Lord works in mysterious ways, has a whole new meaning to you now, doesn't it? (laughs) The text goes on to say, this will illustrate, and and next to it I put the word symbolize. This, This is going to symbolize how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So God gives Hosea this very, almost offensive direction. Marry a prostitute? Look how he responds, verse three. So Hosea said, well, God, I'm a prophet. And if I do that, my denomination will revoke my credentials. No, that's not what he said. It says, so Hosea obeyed. He married Gomer, the daughter of Deblaine, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. So, so I try to, this is part, I feel like this is part of my role. I, I really want you to attach with what's going on here. And I want to make this as real as possible. I want to bring this uh, almost into a modern light, if you will. So, so here's this young pastor, if you will, named Hosea. And, and, and God comes to him and says, Hosea, I love your ministry, but I want you to marry a Vegas escort, okay? I want you to marry a prostitute. And scripture, I'm fascinated here because scripture doesn't say that he pushes back whatsoever, right? He he doesn't say, well, what's in it for me? What am I gonna lose? What are my neighbors gonna think? What's Facebook gonna say? He obeys God here. What's fascinating about this scripture is he marries this escort and not only does he marry her, he falls madly in love with her. And they begin to have children. But in the midst of all of this, while young Pastor Hosea has started his ministry, he's preaching Israel, turn back to God. All the while, Gomar continues her business with everything that can walk in the community. That's what the scripture, you can read on ahead. I'm not going to get into the details of that specific thing. But this is what happens. And you know what the word says? It crushes Hosea. It breaks his heart. He feels the pain of betrayal. He he, he feels, he feels the hurt. Here's this woman who he's fallen deeply in love with. And here he is, here she is cheating on him. And you know what's interesting? Is that Hosea doesn't take her to the divorce court. Scripture says that he keeps taking her back, taking her back, taking her back, taking her back, even though she's living in this way. And I have no idea why God asked Hosea to do this. But maybe, just maybe, he wanted Hosea to feel the way he felt so that Hosea's message to Israel truly came from a place of brokenness. And what a beautiful picture here of how much God loves you, how much he loves me, even when we're in the darkest of places, even when we, to stay with this symbol, cheat on him, break his heart, bring pain as we reject him over and over again. He still takes us Back. That's a type of love that none of us could ever replicate. 
we can pursue that, we'll never be able to achieve the type of love that Jesus shows you, my brother, shows you, my sister. And Peter talks about it in his own way to the believers in the New Testament. So keep your, keep your uh, marker there in Hosea. Let's jump back to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Look, look what Peter says, because, because he's laying it out in the, same, in the same way. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Someone's got to underline that right, right now. Dear believers, dear Christian, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Some of us post more about our American citizenship than our kingdom citizenship. Some of us are more in love with America's king instead of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Someone's got to hear that today. You're so focused on what's going on in this country that you're, you're missing out on what you've been called to do. P P Peter says, I, I warn you, you're a temporary resident to this nation, to this earth. And look what he says here. I warn you to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful too, and I underlined it for you, live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. My friend, people are watching. They were watching 2,000 plus years ago. They're watching today in 2020. And Peter says, I warn you to live in a certain way amongst unbelievers. They're watching, my friend. What you're saying on social media, the way you're acting right now, the way you're, however you're handling yourself. Peter says, I warn you to do it in a different way than what culture says that you should do it. He says, I warn you to live properly among unbelievers. Then, watch this, this is good. This is for me tonight. This is, this is, my, this is my sermon for me today. Then if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world for the Lord's sake. Submit to all human authority. Just stop. I didn't write that. For the, not for your sake. Peter says for, for the Lord's sake. If you want to help out the Lord, he doesn't need our help. But for you, right, you got it. Peter says this isn't about you, it's about his kingdom. It's about what he wants to do. For the Lord's sake, he says, submit to all human authority. Whether the king as head of state or the officials, he has, he has appointed. So Peter is saying submit to the authority of God, but also submit to the people God has put in place as long as it's not contrary to his word. And, I, and I, could, I could riff on that for a long time, all right? So we look at Hosea. Ho Hosea was called to be a clear symbol of God's love by marrying a prostitute. And maybe, just maybe, maybe our way of showing love is that we submit to the authority that God has placed over us in our lives. Maybe the way we show God's love is to respect, respect those offices even when we don't necessarily agree with what they're saying and how they're leading us maybe that's one symbol of showing God's love second John first verse one uh, chapter one verse six says this and this love that we walk in obedience to his commands 
as you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. The question I'm asking myself this morning, JF, am I a symbol of the Lord's love today to my fellow countrymen? When people see my life, do they see a life of what Jesus and only Jesus has done in my heart? Ask yourself that question today. Am I a symbol of the redemption? Am I a symbol of what the blood of Jesus, what the Holy Spirit has done in my heart today? When people see me, do they see something that just isn't isn't flesh and blood and selfishness and humanity, but rather the reflection of Christ? So be a symbol. So that's be, be a sign, a sign that, like Hosea, Hosea was a sign directing the Israelites back to God. His life, the way his life played out with Gomer was a symbol, a symbol of how the Lord felt towards Israel. And here's the last thought as our band comes back and then we're gonna pray, and that is, be a servant be a servant. I could, that could be my third point for, for every single talk I ever give. <laughs> and why is it so important? Because this is the invitation that Jesus Christ himself introduced to us. He embodied it. Matthew 20, verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Go back to the text. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 15. This is what Peter says concerning that thought. He says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, and I put in parentheses next to that, serving, that by serving you should put to silence, (laughs) this is so good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now, I'm not kidding, you gotta try this. You've got to try this. This is not hyperbole. This literally can happen. I wish I had 10 minutes to riff on this. If, if uh, I'm not gonna go there, just re- read the text right there. He says, he goes on to say, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. I lost my place. Go to the next verse. (laughs) That that just struck with me. Go to the next verse here. Honor everyone. Come on. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And then here's the period. Honor. Honor the emperor. And here's the thing about this. You got to read scripture in context. But the type of servant that Peter is referencing here is what they call a bond servant in the ancient world. We'd all agree that human slavery is a terrible, wicked practice. In fact, today in the world, uh, there's over uh, 40 million slaves today in the world, and one in four of them are children. Let let that sit in with you. We've got a lot of work to do, that's what I'm saying. A lot of work to do. It's an evil, despicable practice. But 
It also existed in the ancient world, in, in Peter's day. And a bondservant was different than a slave in that in that day, bondservants weren't forced to work for their bosses, but rather they chose to. It, it, was, it was more of a business arrangement, if you will. It was, it was the bondservant's pleasure to serve the boss. And because of that, it changed, really, it really changed everything. And that's what God's calling us to do in this season. Because that's how an entire country has changed. You see, when we live for Christ, brother, when we live for Jesus, sister, in a way that our obedience to him truly becomes our pleasure and our freedom isn't used for evil, but rather for good, when we're willing when we make the decision, when it's our pleasure to obey the Lord and what he's called us to do, that's when the world, that's when people start to take notice. When we serve others because we come from a place of love like we talked about last week, when the premise is rooted on the cornerstone, that is Jesus Christ, when we embody when we embody the characteristics of the love of Christ and we serve and love others in that type of a way where it's a pleasure to do it, where we're not masquerading as something else, where we don't have another agenda, where we're not doing it out of penance, where we're not doing it out of a place of shame, but rather it's my honor, my pleasure to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, my friend, because scripture says it and because I've experienced it in my, whole, in my own life, unbelievers say, what's going on with her? Well, wait a second. This is the sixth Saturday in a row that you've gotten up at the crack of dawn and you went over to that Church for All Nations food pantry to, what, what is that? Man, I, man, your life, I want to be a part. You know what I'm saying? doesn't necessarily take a microphone and, and a Bible, man. It's, it's living it up. I'm telling you, the world takes notice. And the question that I kept asking myself as I was preparing this talk, as I was studying the book of Hosea, studying this very unique story of the life of Hosea, the question I kept asking myself was, why would God make Hosea marry the prostitute Gomer. Why, why don't you just say, well, just be your friend? Or, hey, you know what, man? You're a great pastor. You're a great leader. Uh, you went to seminary. Why don't you help her get out of that lifestyle? Just like, maybe get some of the women in the church and maybe you guys could go taught. And God says, no, no, no. I want, you to, I want you to get into this woman's life. In fact, I want you to become intimate with her. I, I want you to marry her. And it kind of blows my mind. And, and the picture really that the Holy Spirit gave me is that the picture of marriage in Scripture is that of submitting yourselves to each other. Willingly and freely, give, freely giving yourself to your spouse who can outserve, who can outgive, who, who, who can be preferential. Who can say sorry even when, even when they're right. Who can, who can make, who can, 
outprioritize, right? That is, the, that, is, that is the true, purest picture of marriage. And so you see, when Hosea marries Gomer, when he committed her, himself to her, she didn't immediately become perfect. In fact, Scripture says that she continues in her lifestyle. And what's fascinating to me is how Hosea continues to fight for her. He kept rescuing her. He kept taking her back. He kept redeeming her. He gave everything for her. And that's what the Lord wants you to see here today, that there's nothing that you've done. There's nothing in your past. There's nothing in your wheelhouse that would make him not want you. There's nothing in the future that you could do that would make him not want to be in relationship with you. He's given everything to you because he loves you that much. He loves you that much. It, it, it's, it's just, it's exactly how he sees you. And he wants not only to be in relationship with you, but he wants to use you. He wants to use you to impact your circles. We all, we all have circles of influence. He wants to use you to impact this city, this county, and even this nation. I want you to know right now, our God loves our nation. But the way the kingdom works is he uses, he uses broken people like you and like me that are saved by the blood of Christ and that are intentional about the way we reflect him for lives to be changed. Now the Holy Spirit, he can do whatever he wants, right? But in my experience, most of the time, the thing that causes somebody to at least show interest in Christianity, to, to, to be open to the gospel, usually starts with that person seeing a believer sincerely, truly reflecting the love of Christ. And today, it starts with you. Today, it starts with me. I'm telling you, man, tomorrow morning, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna get, it's gonna start, I mean, it's gonna get real nasty leading up until November 3rd. And I encourage you, don't, don't get in that toxicity. Don't, don't get into that cesspool of spewing rhetoric and hurt and hate. And don't just, you know, pray before you post stuff. And I encourage you, get closer to Jesus and, and rise above. I know all of us watching, we love our country, but man, we're not of this world. We're not just citizens of this country. We're, we're citizens of a holy nation. And let me tell you right now, it's so big and so vast. We're a part of it. Let me pray for you today as we close. Wherever you're watching right now, maybe that first thought of being a sign, you're a follower of Jesus, and maybe you've heard something like that before. You, you, you've, you go, yeah, I, I know that. But maybe it resonated with you in a, a new way this, this morning. 
where part of our assignment as his followers is to, through our actions, through our words, through our conduct, that we're constantly directing people back to God. You say, well, pastor, what about all the people that were never with, were never followers of Jesus, were never lovers of God? Well, we, Scripture's clear that we all came from God, right? And he's beckoning the lost home, right? The spirit. And then he uses, he uses you and I to assist in that process. And so I wonder today, you're here and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm speaking directly to believers right now. You're watching online. You say, Pastor, pray for me, especially in this season that we find ourselves in, that I would be a conduit. You know what a conduit is? Maybe you're an electrician. It's that, it's that tube where all the wires kind of run through. You know what I'm talking about? Well, in the same way, what a perfect illustration of of us being that conduit where the Holy Spirit, the electricity is able to flow through that. The electricity of the Holy Spirit is flowing through that conduit who's us, right? Maybe you say, Lord, or excuse me, Pastor, pray that the Lord would use me in a very unique way in this season that we find ourselves in right now. What an opportunity we have where, where people are, you know, just where we can rise above that and we can actually reflect the love of Christ. You can even ask yourself right now, back when I was a kid, we had these like bracelets that said, what would Jesus do? What, what a great question to ask yourself right now. How would Jesus conduct himself during this season? Right? And you can find out how he would just through his words, through the scriptures, but you gotta, you gotta open the book, right? It's there. You say, pastor, pray for me. This is the season where I need the fortitude. I need the Holy Spirit to guard, starting with my heart. I love what Amy, our worship leader, said today about the power of our heart and our mind and what flows. It's just sound theology. But the prayer is, Holy Spirit, would you guard my heart and guard my mind right now in a new, unique way during this season so that I can truly be what you've called me to be. Matthew 28 to go to make disciples. What, what, is, what is the initial part of that disciple making? It's attracting. It's attracting. And how do we attract? The way we conduct ourselves. And I'm pointing right at me, right? As a follower of Christ, partnering with you, partnering with the church. Lord, I pray for my friends right now. In Jesus' name. Give them, give them a revelation today of who you are and what you've called them to. God, someone needs to be reminded today that they're not here on accident. God, you placed them here on purpose with assignment to attract people to you. I, Lord, I didn't set it up that way. That's how you set it up, to be a reflection of you, to be your hands and your feet. To where, wherever we go, the love of Christ comes with, goes with us and comes with us and people are attracted to that. They, they sense something different inside of us and that difference is you, Holy Spirit. So God, I pray someone right now needs boldness, needs courage to do what you've asked them to do, even starting tomorrow. God, I pray, give someone strength right now in Jesus' name. If, if, if you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you've been just tuning in right now, just you're attracted to it. You're interested. 
You can say yes to him right now. Just say, Lord, come into my life. Heal me. Begin a new work in my heart. I believe in you. That's the requirement for salvation, by the way. Just belief. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you, that you gave your life for us, that you died on a cross, that you rose from the dead, that you are alive, and that you're coming back. And in the meantime, whether you come tomorrow and, or in another 5,000 years, in the meantime, on mission. And the mission is service and love and preaching the gospel, sometimes with a microphone, sometimes with words, but a lot of times just through life, conduct, service, and humility. It's the whisper. <laughs> it's the whisper that I've seen in my own life that people are attracted to, whether it's the Holy Spirit or whether that's a soft, kind, compelling word. I bless my friends in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.